1: Back in the saddle, Ryan Talbot took a day off yesterday. How convenient, Ryan. I was talking to Brent <laughs> Axe, who sat in for you yesterday, and I'm like, of all the days for Ryan to miss, the Diggs Palooza that was uh, Tuesday was was certainly an interesting time. But you're back. We have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, more stuff on Diggs. We're also going to talk about, you know, a Bill's minicamp practice that was indoors, so not as fruitful, if you will, as one would be, outdoors where we can kind of move around a little bit more, see a little bit more of the action, but plenty of things to get into. How are you, Ryan?
0: I am doing great, Matt. I'm excited to be back after, uh, I wouldn't call it a day off necessarily, chaperoning my son's field trip. It was uh, something else, but uh, excited to talk some Bills football. And in case, you know, the Bills Mafia forgot, Sean McDermott was a college defensive back, and that man can still backpedal based on what we saw today. (laughs)
1: Oh, Ryan, you have a future as a comedian once you hang up the, uh, Bill's, uh, coverage shoes. Um, all right. So let's get into this first and foremost, we're going to start with Diggs once again today, a little bit more information coming out today. First of all, he was at practice today. So, um, that I think was something when that came out, uh, the big reaction to that, that I saw mostly from Bill's fans was a sigh of relief. It was the same old digs out on the practice field smiling, joking, um, handshakes with Josh Allen, catching some passes from Josh Allen during individual work. He did not work in the team portion of practice. Not a surprise. Sean McDermott said they're ramping him back up. He's arrived in great shape. But once practice ended, it was interesting because uh, Mitch Morse uh, came out for his interview. He he answered two questions, and then Sean McDermott kind of took over the press conference, if you will, Actually, didn't Morse saw him coming? Said okay, gotta go. He walked off to the side. McDermott sta- sat down and he wanted to provide some more clarity to the situation. And I think really what got this thing going yesterday, if you go back and look at it, was Sean's comments about Diggs not being there, not providing any detail of the fact that he was there earlier and had reported on Monday it was presented as if Diggs was not at minicamp. And then he said, he followed up a question was asked about, are you concerned about him not being here? And he said, yeah, very concerned. He clarified things today and thought that that was important. He said, he saw things out on the internet that were were inaccurate and uh, that weren't fair. So he wanted to add some clarity. And it's amazing how much clarity can be added when you actually say what's happening, Um, which by the way, and we'll get to this in a second, we still don't really know what's happening. Like that's, You know, I just put out the story on this, and it's still this mysterious beef that Stefan Diggs has with the Bills or with somebody, whatever the case may be. He reported on Monday, took a physical, went home, reported Tuesday, and Sean McDermott said the two sides had a lot of conversations, healthy conversations. But it reached a point where both sides wanted some space, so Sean McDermott excused Stefan Diggs from practice, sent him home, went out and and conducted practice, and then conversations reignited after practice. However, the setting was there. He didn't get into those parts of the details and they moved to a place where both sides feel like they're now in a good spot. He practiced today. He was asked directly if the situation was resolved and he said it that it was. And now it seems like, you know, all system go moving forward, Uh, you know, looking at training camp, but there's still a lot to unpack here. Ron. I mean, he, this is something that I still feel like could loom over things. I mean, whenever things start to go bad, I mean, and as we move along here, how much do we learn about what he's actually upset about?
0: Yeah, we we probably don't because you know, another Sean McDermott uh, answer is we, we want to keep things in house. We don't want to uh, we want to respect the conversations that are ongoing or that we've had. And, and I get that. And I understand that, but everything that happened yesterday, in terms of the the media reaction nationally, locally, that's 100% on Sean McDermott because you said it. He came out and he said he's not here. And then he said he was, you know, very concerned. And he tried to clarify that to say, saying, hey, you know, I've been here for years. I always say I'm very concerned. And he has, to his credit. But all he had to say was, Stefan Diggs showed up, he took his physical, and we excused him from today's practice. If he says that, There's no tweeting up a storm from the media. There's no stories that come out on every site you can think of, including many on nyf.com and syracuse.com. It's just, you know, he put himself into that corner. I think that's why he said, you know what? I need to meet with the media again today. I need to kind of come up and say, I should have handled this a little bit better. Maybe it was frustration on his end in, in terms of the way he kept things short yesterday there's certain details he doesn't have to provide in terms of what led to these conversations, what led to these issues, but he needs to communicate in a much clearer sense in terms of, yes, he was here. That being Diggs showing up for the physical, showing up for the, uh, the meetings and everything else, instead of just saying he's not here and we're very concerned.
1: Piecing this all together. What we do know is Diggs wasn't happy at the end of last season. He said as much in the Super Bowl media tour that he went on. Josh Allen said yesterday that it comes down to organizational communication and maybe that wasn't done in the right way. And, you know, I think it goes back to, I do think that Brandon Bean's usual model of letting guys get away from it. And I mentioned this on the show yesterday is a good tactic. Let everybody like reset, get the training right, come back, have those conversations. But it feels like this, like kind of like was left to brew a little bit too long. And then when he shows up for minicamp, it came to a head. It, it apparently, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to pull out, and, and, and it's included in the story that you can go read over at uh, New York Upstate or in Syracuse.com right now. Was you know, Josh Allen said yesterday that you know, being in the same same room together and talking things through was helpful. You know, things that maybe you know, going back to last season when looking at you know, Diggs's unhappiness, whether it be on the sideline, whether it be with the way the offense changed, he said it. And he, and this is something else that Alan said, he said, I know everybody in our locker room loves digs. And I don't think we're going to see this as anything different other than a guy that wants to win and somebody that we need to incorporate a little bit better in what we're doing here. And I got no doubt that we will. And then Sean McDermott was asked kind of about that today. And he said, Getting digs the ball is an important part of the offense. There's no reason to say it isn't. I mean, he's a big focal point of our offense in addition to Josh. It's important to get him going, and the more production he has, the more production we have as an offense. Those usually work hand-in-hand. Hand. I've said it before. He provides great energy, uh, blah, blah, blah. The point being, Ryan, I think that this iteration of this team has now been basically in place for three years, and they've regressed. What I uh, What I get a sense of is – Stefan Diggs is just not happy with the regression, it seems, going from the AFC title game to the divisional loss to the Chiefs. And then the way that they lost at home to the Bengals, it's like, OK, what are we doing and what are we going to change? And maybe those conversations, some some real truths about, you know, what has transpired, you know, got things to the point that they were at yesterday. But it seems like they're moving in a, in a healthy direction, which I guess is good.
0: Yeah, I think the way the, the last few seasons have ended have probably weighed on Diggs, but also his usage. And if you split up last year into thirds or into quarters, you could see in the beginning of the year how involved he was, the big outings that he had. He was near or at the top of the league in receiving uh, after a few weeks into the year, and then the tail stretch of the season, the targets weren't is uh they, they weren't there as much, the receiving yards, the. Uh, touchdowns, you name it. It, It's just he was almost taken out of this offense a little bit. And part of that is game planning by uh, opposing coordinators. But part of that is the Bills also have to counter that and say, okay, if they're going to play him this way, we need to move him to the slot. We need to get him the ball in his hands quickly. Uh, If they're going to double him or or if they're going to do certain things downfield. Like they have to counter punch when teams try to specifically take digs out of the game plan. And another thing they can do is add more weapons. And, you know, they've done that. They did that with Dolan Kincaid. They did that with Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, and, and yes, these are you know some of those are not household names or household names yet. But the Bills are kind of uh, you know in, in terms of their financial restraints uh, with the salary cap. I thought they went out and they did they added some nice pieces to this offense. But it should still be the Stefan Diggs show at the end of the day when the Bills need to make a big play when they need to. Put up points. He needs to be the focal point of this offense, and they need to come up with ways to utilize him, especially down the stretch, a lot better than they have as of last year.
1: So let's pivot here real quick on the last thing I want to hit on digs here before we move into some of the other stuff. And as of now, there's another practice scheduled tomorrow. So guess what, guys? You're going to get us again tomorrow. Uh, so uh, get ready for that. Big picture, looking ahead. You know, one of the things I, I kind of saw it percolating on social media and some of the national shows talking through this, you know, I saw like a clip from Ryan Clark about how like when, you know, when teams become good and, you know, start to be together for a long time, some of those like internal communication deals like can blow up into bigger things. And, you know, hearing it talk, talked about locally, like, you know, the bills are now one of those teams that. You know, everything that happens is news because Josh Allen's on the cover of Madden. He's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Stephon Diggs is this superstar model in the offseason, all these kinds of things. How big of a problem is this moving forward? Do you think this is something that because Sean McDermott's in place, they have the culture that they have. They have this roster that's been built that's, you know, Super Bowl um, contender ready they can move past this and this won't become a problem. Or do you feel like because of the situation on offense and now a new wide receivers coach, um, still a young offensive coordinator, Josh Allen, you know, with all these extra eyes, like this has the potential to be something that continues to be a problem throughout the season.
0: I think it's the latter, uh, especially if things hit a rough patch in in the year. And I think, uh, that's when all eyes will be on this team. We'll be on the leadership. We'll be on the culture. We'll be on Stefan Diggs and, and how he reacts. Listen, he's a competitor. He's a fiery competitor. He gets upset. Uh, but how does he handle this? And if the bills do hit a rough patch, especially in a very tough AFC East this year with the dolphins and the jets, just, you know, right there, roster wise, right there in terms of being legitimate contenders to the AFC East crown, uh, problems could percolate or arise again. So it, it's not something where I say it's resolved, it's over and done with. Uh, we've seen, you know, Bill's players get animated on the sidelines. We've seen Sean McDermott have to calm down Stefan Diggs in game before. We've seen him and how he reacted late last season uh, to, I'm assuming, not getting the ball and not having his number call as it should have been. So I, I can't just sit here and say everything's hunky-dory now and everything's fine. Uh, just because we've seen it enough where no matter how good this culture is, no matter how good this team is, if they hit a rough patch, I could see some frustration, you know, rising to the surface.
1: Get out your calendars as well, because on June 23rd, Ryan, we are back at wing Nuts. I mean, 10 days away. I cannot wait. The wings are going to be flowing. Uh, the, the beers are going to be flowing and we're going to be talking a lot about the bills and, and kind of all of these topics as well. A lot of things. Happening in our world, and uh, we want to share it with you. I, I feel like in these in the setting out at Wingnuts, it's it's much more intimate. Uh, you get a chance to kind of meet up with us, talk to us about you know there's some things changing with our coverage here in the next couple of months that are really exciting. You want the inside scoop? Come out to Wingnuts. It's going to be a fun night.
0: Yeah, you can't beat a night out at Wingnuts, like you said. You get to we interact with everyone that's there for the show uh, before and after. Obviously, we host a live podcast there. Uh, for anyone that can't make but come on out. Great food, great wings, uh, great beers. And, and again, when I say great food, it's not just wings there on the menu. I know that's the the, the main menu item, but they have outstanding sandwiches, their uh, pizza, you name it. So you, you can't go wrong joining us at Wingnuts. And, you know, if you don't believe us, if you check Wingnuts in the social channels, Bill's players have been coming there quite a bit uh, the past few months. And I, I think they're understanding just how good the food is there as well. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.
1: What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Let's get into this practice a little bit, Ryan. It was... I, I got to be honest, I, I, I kind of, it's, it's a bummer when we go inside because we, we're, we're kind of stuck on that one end zone, can't walk on the sides. And today I felt like a lot of the work was done at the complete other end. So like you're kind of trying to watch the, you know, uh, you know, look at the forest through the trees and it, it can be a really challenging at, at times, but there was a couple of really um, important pieces that I wanted to pluck out. Let's talk seven one six sports. Ask how did Josh Allen look today? I thought he looked good. I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was sharp. Um, one of the highlight plays of the day: two touchdown passes from Josh Allen. One came to Gabe Davis. Christian Benford was in coverage. Uh, I can't get too much into the look and what was happening on the play, but he kind of just lost track of him a little bit. I don't know how much of it was his responsibility. You saw. Cam Lewis kind of flying into the play as well to try to help out, but it was a great route run by Gabe Davis. He showed Josh Allen an opening and it was probably about a 20 to 30 yard touchdown pass. And it was one of those first big explosive plays of the day. And like the offense was kind of hooting and hollering. They were excited. Davis makes the good touchdown grab. He turns around and it was right in the far corner, right by the basketball hoop that they have set up in there. So of course that was part of Davis's celebration. He turned kind of took a three pointer. I didn't see if he sank it. But that's a good thing to see. I mean, obviously, Diggs not participating in team drills today. But I feel like Gabriel D- Davis has been that consistent player. Bill Bill Barnwell from ESPN tweeted out you know, what it would look like to trade Stephon Diggs in, in, in the middle of all of this chaos. And obviously, that's not happening. The Bills are not trading Stefan Diggs. It's not one, a, something that I think to everything that everybody's been talking about the last couple of days, Allen, Von Miller, Sean McDermott, they value what he is in this offense. And, and I don't think you could. I don't think this is just like replaceable or replicable, you know, what he does in this offense. It's why a lot of people are like, oh, I see. I hear this on local radio talk shows all the time. The Bills should have never traded for Stefan Diggs. They should have just sat at that pick and picked Justin Jefferson. Like that was just this simple um, equation that was sitting out there for them to just execute. Diggs has meant so much more to this thing than his role right now in 2023. It's been about the building arc of Josh Allen and what he's meant to that as well. But I feel like with him out of the picture, the last couple of weeks, Gabriel Davis has been that one constant. And I think today was an example of him, you know, stepping into a a leadership role in his own right, heading into a contract year. I, I just get the feeling, gut feeling that we're, we're in for the conversation to change a little bit on Gabriel Davis over the next couple of months.
0: Well, I, I think it's going to come down to one word you used early on and that's consistency. If he is consistent for this offense, he catches the ball. He, he kind of eliminates some of those drops that he has issues with. Uh, then yeah, the conversation might change into man. The, the bills do need to find a way to extend him. Uh, keep him in as That wide receiver too long-term because right now there are still questions. Is this guy, a true number two receiver is he more of a number three kind of being played as number two receiver uh in a contract year davis is going to answer that question and, and if he answers it with yes he's a number two receiver the bills or another team are going to pay him uh, a good chunk of money for the foreseeable future and if if he struggles then well maybe it's the bills uh getting him at a discounted rate or uh, he goes elsewhere uh we saw the wide receiver market wasn't uh, necessarily booming in free agency but Davis has to just be more consistent we've seen the spectacular sideline toe taps we've seen him get downfield and make those big plays but we've all seen those frustrating drops on catches he should be making you know 99 out of 100 times and that's not the case and he's still struggling in that area so huge year on the horizon for him obviously I, I do think the ankle injury played a small part in his struggles last year But it doesn't always play – you know, I don't think it played a role in terms of the drop. So clean that up, and we could be talking – like you said, the conversation could shift on Gabe Davis significantly.
1: The other big play uh, was Trent Sherfield touchdown city from Josh Allen. And it was a a great route run. He caught separation, beat Dane Jackson. It was tough to see the number. Could have been Dane Jackson. Could have been um, Christian Benford. They kind of, like, flipped around on the play. So I couldn't really, like – it, it was a little bit chaotic scene. All, it was literally the other end of the field house. Whoever it was up against, Trent Sherfield with a great touchdown. And one where he had to, you know, showed a little nuance in the route running it, 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 to me in, in that play because he had to kind of make a move halfway through the route, um, get, get some separation, and then make the catch on the other end. And the celebration, sometimes you can feel... The vibe from the celebration, like how big of a play it was, the reaction from the players, some of his teammates, his actual reaction. And it was just like, it was elevated quite a bit. So, Trent Sherfield, like uh, again, with Stefan Diggs out of the mix, Josh Allen mentioned it a couple weeks ago. That's given him an opportunity to get really comfortable with things that could only be a good thing moving forward.
0: Yeah, that's a huge thing. And, and you know, Trent Sherfield, we've mentioned this before, everywhere he's gone in his career, he's uh, performed well in terms of like the practice setting and Opportunities have been hard to come by, though, because of where he was. You know how where he was added as an undrafted free agent compared to being dra- Other guys being drafted in Arizona, he's. You know he was with San Francisco. He was with Miami. Buffalo is a place that if you shine, if you're someone that performs well, you know here at mandatory camp, if you perform well uh, throughout the summer at training camp, you're going to get those opportunities on the field. They're not going to. Uh, keep you on the bench because they drafted a guy last year they have Gabe Davis uh, and Stefan Diggs and obviously those guys are going to get the lion's share of the reps but they're going to find ways to work you in whether it's in the slot whether it's spelling one of those guys on the outside at times you're going to get your number called upon uh, they don't just you know go with the guys who are brought in on a bigger contract so Sherfield has every opportunity to show that he belongs on the field and then get those fair amount of reps and in-game settings here in 2023.
1: On the defensive side of things, let's talk about that. I got another offensive player that we're going to talk about a little bit. And I talked about him yesterday. So a lot of this player the last couple of days, but he's making plays and he's, it's worth talking about and get your take on it. Defensively uh, somebody that's kind of way down the depth chart. I mean, undrafted guy last year, Jamarcus Ingram, he's been making some noise. This mini-camp. I mean, Von Miller started off the hype train a little bit a couple of weeks ago when he mentioned him when asked to about who stood out to him. He's just continued to make plays. And today he had an interception, picked off Kyle Allen, mm-hmm. what on what wasn't even a bad throw. It was just a, a better play by the defender. And then a couple of plays later, almost has another interception, a, ends up being just a pass breakup, a huge pass. Uh, practice for Jamarcus Ingram. I did not see Cam Dantzler out there today uh, after seeing him out on Tuesday. I don't know what's going on there. We'll take a look for him uh, tomorrow. But your, guys like Jamarcus Ingram, I feel like make it so tough on some of those like vet guys that, you know, early on in the Bean era where, you know, you, you think back to the Kevin Johnsons of the world, the Philip Gaines of the world, um, or not Philip Gaines, who was the, what was the corners, the, the vet corners they brought in early, There was E.J. Gaines. Was that it?
0: E.J. Gaines was here. Yep. I think he had two stints with the team, technically. Uh, Obviously, Josh Norman, you mentioned Kevin Johnson. So, yeah, they always had those vet options.
1: And I feel like guys like Ingram, who have been who've had that download uh, over the course of the year as part of a practice squad, he got some E.J. Gaines. That's it he knows the system. He's much more comfortable going into year two. He's got size. He's got quickness. He's flashing it out there. This is not a setup for a defensive player to make plays. Like there's, you can't really touch these guys. There's no threat of hitting guys over the middle. And so I think when when guys make plays in this setting, it it really stands out. And, you know, Ingram's having himself a really good spring.
0: Yeah. And I think with Ingram confidence is key. I remember when Von Miller, you know, specifically said, Hey, he was having, he had a really good practice and everyone was like, no, I didn't. You know, he's one of those players that he's probably striving to, to play with perfection, which you just can't do it. Like you said, in these kind of practices, it it leans in the favor of the offense. Uh, Probably just a case of him being too hard on himself. But if he keeps building on these practices and building and building, his confidence is going to be at a high level going into training camp where, you know, it's more of a fair balance there. And like you said, at the bottom of this roster, they're not going to keep a veteran for the sake of keeping a veteran. If they think Ingram is one of their best six or maybe seven uh, cornerbacks, I think six is that is that good number there for that position, though. Uh, they'll they'll have him on this roster. They're not going to play favorites of the dancers of the world or anyone else that they ha- have brought in or bring in. Uh, it's going to be a fair opportunity. So I hope Ingram continues to build upon his strong start here to the summer.
1: Uh, Another defensive player that I want to mention. I mean, I feel like I I sound like a broken record at this point, but man, does Christian Benford just compete his butt off every practice? It doesn't matter the setting. It doesn't matter the, the reps that he's getting, you know, what team he's on, any of that kind of stuff. When you see him out on the field, no matter who he's going up against, the dude is just like, he's ultra competitive and fiery, like in that practice setting. And I think that that's why coach gravit coaches gravitate so much to him and, and he's going to get plenty of opportunities to stay in the fight for that CB2 job. I mean, he's really up against it. If you think about it, Ryan, like Dane Jackson has, he's the new Levi Wallace who stiff armed every piece of competition. The bills brought in for him for years before ultimately he, you know, just ran out of time on his contract, you know, Dane Jackson's in that role now. And they obviously have Kyer Elam, who they spent a high draft pick on. And we could talk about something about him maybe later. Maybe we'll save this for next week. Um, uh, remind me on that, Kyer. I got a Kyer Elam little side topic that I want to have. But Benford makes another play today, one on one with Trent Sherfield early in practice. I felt like kind of set the tone. Josh Allen was pretty dialed in today. I thought he made a lot of good throws, but on this one, he tried to like uh, kind of rifle one into um, Sherfield, and there was Christian Benford, strive for strive, blow for blow. Breaks up the pass and just another uh, big time play. Um, you know, Sword Brother Joseph on YouTube says Elam has been extremely disappointing. Listen, I think also with that, you want to down. You don't want to overhype these mini camp accomplishments, right? Like, however the the competition is 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 kind of factoring out right now. This thing's gonna look much differently in two months. So I, I don't want to over do it. I want to have a separate conversation about Elam. This doesn't have anything to do with it, but man, Benford continues to make plays.
0: You know, the bills do have a, uh, a good knack for finding quality players from these smaller schools. And uh, Benford came in the very zone dependent scheme that he played in, in college. And uh, he impressed as a rookie and, and it's good to see that it wasn't something where it was just kind of a system fit. And that he is continuing to make these gains and these strides as a player, because he showed last year, especially early on in the year, I thought that he looked like he truly belonged out there on the field as a cornerback two type of option for this team. Uh, so Benford, like you said, you know he's in the mix for this job, but they do love Dane Jackson. And when you spend a first round picking a Kyer Elam, and Elam when he was out there on the field flashed last year, the interception against KC. I thought he had a really good playoff game against Miami. Uh, And that's not just the only, you know, cases of it. I thought every time he had opportunities, he played well. Uh, But Benford's a legitimate competitor, and he's proven time and time again, you can't count him out.
1: I asked Mitch Morris today. Again, we're not really, you know, diving too deep into the how did the offensive lineman line look in team drills. Like it's, it's hard unless they you know, somebody like completely stands somebody up or really outwork somebody on a rep. You're not going to hear me talk about it too much, but I thought it was interesting. I asked Mitch Morse today about Osiris Torrance. He, you know, we're going into a couple weeks now where he's gotten an up close and personal look at what the new guard looks like. And he said, what stood out to him is like, first of all, he said, sometimes guys come in and, Guys get drafted in the early rounds, and one of the first things you're looking for is like, are they going to come in here acting like their shit don't stink? Do they need to be maybe brought down a couple notches? And he said that's not the case with Torrance at all. He's come in, he's been a sponge, and he said one of the things that it, you know it's it's been is like a deep dive into learning the techniques that Aaron Cromer teaches, and that's why you know as we're projecting this offensive line out past this you know spring and into the summer. I do think Torrance has a little bit of an uphill battle to win that one of those guard spots to start the season only because I remember something that Roger Saffold said to me at the end of last season. It's like you'll you'll be amazed at how much guys that were here this year, first year under Cromer, take a significant jump just in their comfort level, knowing what the expectation is of how they how he wants them to execute their techniques within the scheme. And so now you take Torrance who's coming in here and this is all foreign to him. I mean, he's coming into a line where usually athleticism is prioritized and they're going to ask him who's a little bit more of an anchor type guy to be a little bit more athletic and execute some of those things. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how he deals with that over the course of the first few weeks of training camp and the ups and downs that he has and and where he's lining up and all those kinds of things. Not that we can report on that.
0: Right. And, and, you know, the technique part is huge because Cromer's techniques are specific to the player and the, and the player's size. And uh, Torrance is going to be, you know, going through the learning process there. He's going to be thrown into the, the fire, so to speak, in terms of on the practice field here at training camp coming up and, Yes, he's a mauler. He's a big guy. He has a great pedigree, best pure guard in the draft, based on what a lot of analysts believe. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he'll be a week one starter. It's certainly possible. Wouldn't shock me. I think he's still going to end up starting a lot of games this year. Uh, but the Bills also invested a lot in the interior of their line, and they still have Ryan Bates. And, you know, McGovern was signed to a, a decent deal, and Edwards. Uh, former protege or player under Cromer is here and Ike Butker's back and the list goes on and on. So, uh, it's a legitimate competition with a lot of starter worthy candidates.
1: I got a couple more things that I want to hit on here before we get out. Gary V says he'll be back at Wingnuts in July. That's Love what it. Talking about Gary. Let's go. Here's the thing, though. July is going to be interesting. Like, we're going to try to put together that uh, schedule here in the next couple of weeks, uh, plan out uh, the next couple of months. We will have some on-location events in Rochester during Mm -hmm. training camp. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited about the potential uh, there. Um, Okay, a couple more things I wanted to mention. You know who's been having himself a really nice spring? Who's that? Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, K E E S E A N Johnson, uh, made a couple plays today and you know, it doesn't matter who he's lining up against. He's a guy that's just, he's super feisty. I think, um, if I was power ranking some of these guys, uh, I'd have Keyshawn Johnson at past the big five, right? I'd have him close to the top. I think, uh, Desmond Pat. uh, Patman has also done a really nice job. Jalen Wayne made a really good catch yesterday, but it wasn't, uh, he didn't keep his feet in bounds, but you could see a little bit of the, uh, yeah, you know, the DNA, uh, you know, from, from uncle Reggie there, uh, or is it, is that his uncle or his brother? I can't remember. Or his, um, uncle, his uncle, it is his uncle. I think all of the kind of lower end wide receivers have had a really nice spring. I think this could be a really competitive situation for guys like Alex Austin, Jamarcus Ingram, Christian Benford, whoever is on those, you know, it, you know, on the second, third, fourth team, however you want to kind of figure that all out the training camp, there's going to be some really fun battles to watch. If you go out to a training camp practice.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think the bills would hope, like uh, do this, but a guy like Keyshawn Johnson, he, He's someone that maybe they feel like they could sneak onto the practice squad, and I'm sure same thing with with Wayne. Uh, There are certain guys that I'm sure they will add, but you're right. The bottom of these position battles are going to be interesting because there's always one or two surprise guys that make that 53-man roster. Wouldn't shock me if it was at cornerback or at wide receiver. Uh, This O-line is very deep on the interior, like we were just mentioning. A linebacker could have some surprises because of the the mix of vets and younger players. So I'm really excited about camp, seeing these guys battle things out, fight out, uh, to see who, one, will make the initial 53-man roster. And two, maybe who will surprise us and have a bigger role than we anticipated here right now in early or mid-June.
1: Last point here, and I want to make sure that I have it, Khalil Shakir. The dude just continues to make plays. His hands, they just, they're so reliable. Like, and, and I again, things change when you get the pads on and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he is going to make it, I think, really challenging to utilize all the guys that they have. And, of course, there could be injuries, all those kinds of things. But I, I don't know how this ends up working out in terms of the pecking order. Um, Dawson Knox banged up yesterday. He uh, suffered uh, what looks like to be a left leg injury. He had it wrapped up today. I put out a video of him walking in the facility walking around okay. I think I'm not uh, a doctor. I don't specialize in his, in limps or how that all looked, but he looked in good spirits and I, I don't know if he'd have been out there had, if it was something you know more serious but who knows We'll see. So he didn't practice today. Obviously that meant more for uh, Dalton Kincaid. He had I think one catch uh, that I remember. Not a ton, but if you take that slot situation, throw those tight ends into the mix with Hardy, Sherfield, uh Khalil Shakir, Kincaid, Knox. I mean, man, there's a lot of miles to feed. That's a that's a five headed monster outside of Diggs and Davis, who combined had almost 250 targets last season.
0: Yeah, it, it's a good problem to have, but it's gonna be a, a problem nonetheless. Uh, Shakir, I, I love to see the work that he did this offseason. He got married in the offseason. Before that, he was working with Eric Moulds. After the wedding, and I'm sure after the honeymoon, he was working with Eric Moulds, former Bills Great. Putting in that extra work, working with a guy that had a great career in Buffalo. Uh, would love to hear more about their relationship and how that kind of came to be. Something maybe we'll look dig into here in the summer at training camp. But Shakir, the year one to year two leap, I I really do believe is is something that's true for these players. They come in, a lot of them are in these college bowl games and they're going through the uh, top 30 visits, the private workouts. They don't have a true off season to work on specifics in terms of what the team's looking for. After the rookie seasons, the team will give them almost like a checklist. Like, here's what we need you to work on. And he's had the entire off season to really, Zero in on those specific things that the Bills said, this is what you need to get better at. This is where we want you to be. And again, a, a player where last year when the Bills drafted him, a lot of uh, draft analysts thought it was a real steal for the team. Uh In that Miami playoff game, he would have gone over 100 yards receiving had he not dropped that uh, deep pass right before halftime, I believe it was. So he was someone that was kind of coming on late in the year. Interested to see if he picks up where he left off. Uh, We will pick up where we left off tomorrow, Ryan
1: Talbot. Thank you so much for watching, Uh, continuing to support the show. Hit that like and subscribe button before you get out of here, June 23rd at Wing Nuts. Don't forget it. Um, I'm going to do a mini camp wrap. Uh, observation story tomorrow. It's looking like we're going to get another practice. So I'm going to put you know, some things that I haven't even touched on yet from yesterday. I'm going to put it all in one story. We'll touch on a couple more things tomorrow. Hopefully, we can get back outside and bring you one last uh, uh, observations episode uh, before we have the long break before training camp. It's going to be here before you know it, Ryan.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know, you're going to be living that dorm life here before you know it, Matt Perino.
1: I've got to get you into the dorm one night. Like, come on, man! Yeah. Like, we gotta get you over the in, in the dorms for a night or two. It's the summer, you know. People are gonna want to see. They're gonna want to see some Ryan Talbot out in in Pittsburgh. So we're gonna have to plan this out. Are you are you uh, are you teaching summer school? This summer? I am.
0: I am. You know, you know Talbot.
1: Know. One of these summers, you know, gonna give the people what they
0: want. I know more Talbot in Pittsburgh. That's you're you're not wrong. A lot more trips to the dairy farm and some shakes. I'm. I, I need it too. So one of these years in the in the near future. All right. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Take care. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.